Welcome to Hidden Layers, the podcast that typically explores all the exciting ways marketing, data, and deep learning are colliding. This Tuesday, March 8th, is International Women's Day, and March is Women's History Month. In celebration of this, we're hosting special episodes of the Hidden Layers podcast, borrowing the mic from our CEO and the regular host of the show, Jeremy Fain, to have conversations with inspiring, impactful women in marketing and tech. It's so important for women to share their stories and use their voices. We all have valuable perspectives and experiences. We hope you enjoy the show and it gets you thinking more about why women are so critical to the evolving workplace and, of course, the greater world around us. This is Hidden Layers. I'm Justine Frostad, VP of Marketing at Cognitive, with over a decade in ad tech and first and foremost, a curious storyteller. Today, I'm joined in studio by my amazing colleague and teammate, Meredith Tehan, Cognitive's SVP of Sales. Meredith has over a decade in ad tech and is passionate about representing innovative marketing solutions. Proud to be here. Thanks for having me. Great to have you. We also have the talented and accomplished Joanna Morello here with us today. Joanna is the head of media and director of digital marketing for North America at Henkel. She has over 12 years of advertising agency and client-side experience, leading strategic initiatives across the full media landscape. Welcome to Hidden Layers, Joanna. Thank you very much for having me. Great to have you here. And last but not least, we have the incredible and award-winning Yesenia Morales, a seasoned global marketer. Yesenia currently is the integrated marketing lead for North America for Samsung. In 2021, she was named a top three finalist for the Top Women in Marketing Awards, led by Chief and Ad Exchanger. Welcome to the show, Yesenia. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you here. So I'm going to kick off today's episode with a few stats I've come across recently around women in the workplace. So 39% of women view gender bias as a primary reason for not being offered a promotion. 66% of women report that there is no clear path forward for them in their career at their current companies. And lastly, the percentage of employed women across all job sectors in the U.S. has grown to 47%, but the five largest tech companies on the planet, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google, and Microsoft, only have a workforce of about 34% women. So based on these stats and sort of what you've come across in your own lives, how do you view the experience of being a woman in MarTech right now? I'd have to say it's been a bit of a challenge for sure in the last few years. I mean, I definitely think that there has been an increase in women presence just in the workplace, generally speaking. But I think what's been most appealing is that it's also been supported by male allies and pretty quickly, right? I think we've been speaking about this for quite some time and we're actually starting to make some level of progress here, which is great to see. I'd love to see more women in diverse backgrounds and in, in leadership roles within corporate America. But I think we have to take, you know, our step one at a time versus trying to really advance that as much as we can. So it's something that I wish, you know, people would really take to heart because it's unfortunate that women, just because of the sex that we are, are inferior to men in the workplace when that shouldn't necessarily be the case. We have just as much knowledge and experience and background to be able to fulfill a role just as anyone else would. I agree, Yesenia. And I think one thing we were talking about before we started recording here was that, so yesterday was, you know, we're recording a little bit earlier. So yesterday was March 4th. We had the State of the Union and we had two women for the first time sitting behind the President of the United States. And I think that that's a big signal, right? I think that's a big signal for men in roles of leadership that, look, we are willing and able to take on big roles and to be leaders. And I think women have proven for 
not just decades, but for centuries, for millennia, that we get things done, you know? Absolutely. And I think it evolves from sort of a nice to have, nice to see uh, women being a part of conversations to really realizing and respecting that women add value to those mm-hmm. conversations. And in, when it comes to business or, or corporations, that they actually impact the bottom line. So again, just not a nice to have. We talked a little bit about allies and, and opportunities. I hear a lot about people talking around creating opportunities for women in the workplace. So what has that looked like for all of you in practice throughout your career? Either you you helping provide opportunities for for women or you actually being on the receiving end of getting some of those opportunities that you've been able to take advantage of? So I think, you know, one opportunity that I can talk about that has been most most recent in, in my career is I just recently had my, my second child and I was out on maternity leave and I got a call one day, you know, screaming kid in the back, vomit all over me. And my old boss at the time said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm leaving. And there's a role, a leadership role that's come up. And you are the one that is, you know, being thought of as, as, as the next person. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm on maternity leave. I'm like, I'm not even in the office. Like what is, what's happening? And, you know, we got into conversations and I started talking to, you know, the leaders um, at Henkel and, I was nervous, honestly. I was really nervous. I had just had my second kid. We're in a pandemic, right? I didn't know what going back to work was going to look like for me. And it was with great hesitation that I, you know, I kept bringing, you know, kind of up. I was like, oh, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. And one of the, the, the top leaders at Hinkle said to me, you know, what are you nervous about? And I said, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. I know I will, but, but how? And they looked at me and they were like, are you just worried about the mom thing? Like, are you worried about being a, a, a parent in the workforce? And I was like, well, yeah. And they're like, don't worry about that. That we can handle. And it was really setting boundaries that Hinkle accepted, you know, boundaries that for me are important because not, I'm not just a woman in the workforce, but I'm also a mother. And it was important for me to set boundaries. Like I can't take meetings before this time because X, I can't take meetings after this time because of X. And that was an opportunity that my employer, who I will add, you know, the leaders that I was talking to were primarily male, and they were very open to to taking this on and, and, and working with me in the in the ways that I needed them to. And that was a huge opportunity for me. And I will say it wasn't empty words, right? It wasn't like, okay, yeah, we get it. It was they were there was concrete action. And it's been like that ever since. And that balance has come a lot more naturally to me than I think it would have if I didn't have that opportunity and if I didn't have that support from males, females, you know, around me. So that was something that most recently, you know, was really a great opportunity that was given to me, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when it comes to action over words, I mean, that's it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Because it's so easy for people to say, we support working parents, we support mm-hmm. working mothers specifically, or, you know, put out something uh, on the website or collateral or whatever. But when somebody can actually take that action and follow through, that's everything. Yeah, no, I can test. I'm at pickup every day. <laughs> I love that. I love that for you. It's so ironic because I actually, I, I'm the opposite end of the spectrum. I, I'm not a parent, mm-hmm. but the expectation is because I don't have children, I, I don't have something to right. attend to when I get home is that I can dedicate more time to work and I should be flexible and I should be more available. And the reality is I'm still a human, right? Just because I'm not a parent and I don't have a child to run home to does not mean I don't have other obligations that I need to handle. And I think it's important for 
organizations to be mindful of that. It's equally important yeah. just as a human to have some level of sanity when you come home from work. You want to be able to just kind of release and relax. And I've realized over the course of my career that my colleagues who are parents, you know, it's like, okay, yes, you can leave at three to go pick up your child. But you, because you don't have a child, right. you have to stay later. And it's mm-hmm. like, why? Why do we have to do that? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely interesting to see that. I completely empathize with that. I also don't have children, but have a ton of respect for the added work that goes into that and the working mothers that I work with. But I agree. I think, you know, empathy is something that is deserved across the board. And I think especially as we are going into year two of the pandemic, it's something that's become an expectation, rightfully so, of of employees. And see, and I think it's important as leaders, the, the messages that we give out, because the message that I really want to be conscious of when I talk to, you know, my employees and my team is it doesn't matter, you know, what you're doing. What I want you to have is to have that separation between work mm-hmm. and home life, right? Whatever your home life looks like, right? There needs to be that separation between home and work so that you can come into work and be the, you know, the best employee that you are because you have a you have a moment to shut your mind off, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things I wanted to talk about was this whole new concept of the hybrid working model, right? And whether you're a parent or not a parent, it's definitely something to adjust to and it has its pros, it has its cons. How do you all feel that the hybrid working model is working or not working for women and working mothers? Yeah, I think, Joanna, you just hit it on the head, being able to actually, you know, especially as we're working from home this day and age, to be able to separate the two and really know where the end point is and where that line is, is really difficult. You know, and I feel, I feel personally that women are, in, in my experience and just all around me, that we're, we're doers, we complete tasks, we continue going. So we actually have a hard time finding that end point. So what the office provided, and historically, I think for us was like a balance, you had to ride the train, you had to commute, you had to do whatever you had to do when you left the office, there was that transition period, now you're home, and you're doing whatever you need to be doing at home, whatever those, those things are for yourself for your family. And we don't have that anymore, you transition, you kind of close the laptop, and you move to, you know, 10 feet to your left, in my case, in my apartment, <laughs> Brooklyn, 10 feet to the left to, to cook dinner. And, and then you can jump back on. You have that opportunity to jump back on. So I really still feel as a as a leader, it's important. And I find myself, you know, doing this oftentimes is, is overworking because I can and because it's right there. And I, I feel that it's really, I feel strongly that we need to be able to separate the two. There needs to be a boundary. And I respect a lot of organizations that have the no Zoom days, no video call days. Um, or that meet, no meetings after this time, or or Joanna, the fact that you've said, you know, based on my schedule, this is the these are the parameters that I need. I will not be reached before or after this. I think that's really important and really impactful. And also, still, all the work will get accomplished, you know. But being able to set those clear lines and boundaries, I think, is really important. Uh-huh. I yeah. couldn't agree with you more, Meredith. I feel like we've always been conditioned to feel like, you know, we have to be present at all times. And as much as we try to, again, the reality is we're just human. We we have to think subconsciously and we have to just kind of remove our stuff from the situation. When it comes to the hybrid work model now, I'm a huge fan and advocate of it. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like the work-life balance is where it should be, right? Because this, this five-day work week notion is not a thing anymore, right? We are able to accomplish just as much as we had in the past from home and remotely. Um, and I think, you know, that trust that organizations give to their employees to say, listen, in this kind of wake that we're in of COVID and, and just everything happening around the world, you have an opinion to stay at home and be able to accomplish the things that you need to. But it also, from an organization standpoint, the trade-off is you now have access to a talent resource pool that expands beyond just the locale Absolutely. that you're in. And there's so such amazing people that that just opens up opportunity for people that, you know, haven't had that 
necessarily in the past. So I'm a huge fan and advocate for it, for sure. Yeah, and on the other side of that, too, I mean, with the with the pandemic, we have had the opportunity to prove ourselves and for have organizations trust employees in a much different manner than they ever have, mm-hmm. um, which is also important and integral, I think, to the to as as we as employees move forward. And this, you know, the, the power has shifted a little bit from the employer to the employee, and that's that's really actually a benefit, I would say, of the pandemic. Not to mention, I get to do a little bit of laundry. I was just going to say <laughs> that's a real benefit. I get mean, your nails done. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> yeah, that's when AirPods come in handy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I also think just setting the example, like you were saying, Joanna, and actually holding yourself accountable, and it, you're not always going to get it right. You know, you're going to answer the emails sometimes on your week off, but I think doing that shows your team that you're taking it seriously. And just like, you know, employers following through with their words and making them actions, I think we have to do that as leaders too, for sure. Mm-hmm. So have you, uh, you know, in managing teams and managing people in this new hybrid world, have you run into challenges there? How do you sort of find that balance between, you know, one size doesn't fit all anymore? I think what you have to do, and I think, you know, at least what what my kind of mindset has always been is you have to allow people to be themselves, right? And you have to allow people to work in a capacity that works for them. You know, I think a perfect example is, you know, as Meredith was saying, things, you know, things aren't linear, right? I, for instance, sometimes work better early, early in the morning, right? So I am up at six and I'm doing a lot of my work at six. It's funny because as of this week, I added a a note to my signature that said, I fully take advantage of flexible hours, but understand if you don't, please don't feel obligated to reply back to my emails if it's not around your time. Because I remember having that stress of like, oh my God, my boss is emailing me at 10 p.m. I have to email you know him or her back immediately. I don't have that expectation and it's not linear, right? And that's where I think as leaders, we have to be flexible and understanding that People have different times that they work at. I do think that some challenges are, you know, you've, we have become lax now that we're, uh, you know, we're at home all the time, right? We're, we're basically at home. But I think with that, it just, you know, we have to remind ourselves, our employees that, you know, there's certain things that don't change when you're in a corporate setting, right? Mm-hmm. You have to come prepared to meetings. You have to know what you're, you know, what you're talking about. It, it can't just be, oh, well, I'm home so I can kind of do whatever I want, mm-hmm. you know. But I haven't experienced that, you know. I think the one thing that I've noticed, whether it's honestly females or males, is that everyone has stepped up to the plate. Like nothing has mm-hmm. – I, I haven't experienced anything in my direct team that has completely, you know, fallen off the rails and nobody knows what they're doing. It's, you know, I, and I think that's just a testament mm-hmm. to how much – if you are willing – to treat people in a way of you are a competent person because I hired you and I know you are, people will step up to that and they'll respect that, mm-hmm. you know, and they will understand. And and I tell, you know, I tell my team all the time, like, just because I'm, I'm on at 6 a.m., the expectation is that you don't have to be on. But that also means if you're on at 10 p.m., I'm not going to be ready back to you at 10 p.m. because I'm already <laughs> asleep. You know what I mean? So... <laughs> Yeah, goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a great email signature. I might have to steal that. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> great. I agree with you. I, I I operate in the very same fashion. I think at the end of the day, you know, it's important to have that trust with your, your team, right? Everyone is an adult here. To your point, you hired this person. You know them. You trust them. And so long as the work gets done, I don't care when you do it. Like, it shouldn't be based on it has to be Monday through Friday from 9 to 5 or whatever that time frame mm-hmm. is. If it takes you to do it over the weekend because you need to take – 
you know, a doctor's appointment, then go ahead and do that. That's perfectly fine. And I think that that's the culture that we need to change now. I think, mm-hmm. you know, the pandemic really opened our eyes to this is a possibility and this is a thing. And, you know, we see this big resignation happening and people not wanting to come back to the office. And, you know, I think corporations just really need to lean into that, especially at Samsung. They've been super flexible and agile, which is the marketplace. And they've really set a plan in place to make sure that employees are happy and they put their families and themselves first. That's been the most important thing. And coming new to this team, that's that's that opened my eyes to so many things that you appreciate so much more. Because I think throughout the course of my career, I've always been just super diligent. Like I have to do this and I have to do this now. And my my perspective on all of that has changed. It's so funny that you say that, Yesenia, because I was also, you know, very similar. So I'm I'm originally from Poland and I have this very like, you know, strict like you get in at nine, you you do what you gotta do. And it was actually my boss now who's you know, who said to me, like, Joanna, you kind of don't have to be like that, you know, you can, you know, because I was just like, well, this is the expectation. This is how it has to be. And he was like, eh, it doesn't, you know, he's like, as long as you're getting your work done. And, and I kind of breathed a sigh of relief. I literally saw this like teachable moment happening to me of, oh, wait, hold on. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't have to be like that, you know, and then that kind of changed my tune a little bit with mm-hmm. how I am with my team, because I I had this epiphany of, oh, wait, that's true. It, it, kind of doesn't have to be like that. And and it takes time to get there, right? And I think sure. even, you know, the biggest thing is even though, you know, we're leaders, we're still constantly learning mm-hmm. and we're still constantly evolving. And I think that's so important. And I honestly think that that's something that women do very well, very, very well. Yeah. And I think setting setting the example, but also encouraging people to set boundaries for themselves and to be themselves is so important. And, you know, something I think is just very underrated and kind of overlooked for women in particular is that idea of mentorship, having a great mentor or a personal board of directors, if you will, that you turn to for advice. And I'm curious if anyone at this table has had a mentor in their life. And if so, how how that's uh, that person has shaped who and where they are. I personally have a, um, I, I guess I would lean a little bit more into the board of directors category. I have fellow female leaders that are in my same or a similar role across the United States. And we really lean on each other to help with, you know, tricky situations, to help with, you know, equitable conversations, honestly, to understand too where we are um, from a compensation perspective, which I know we're going to get to a little bit later, I think, in this conversation. But it's still a big one. There's still some inadequacies there um, and inequity. And I think that it's very important to continue to share knowledge is power. When we share with other people, we were, we've kind of been taught to keep it to yourself. And, you know, really that benefits ultimately the organization, not other people, specifically women, I would say. Um, oftentimes, you know, I'm, I've experienced, you know, being in a position at, at past companies where I have a similar counterpart and because they are male, their, you know, their package looks very different than mine. It does in terms of their body, but in terms of their compensation, <laughs> it also looks different. And it is, you know, that is something that just, you know, based on experience and tenure and um, it's just not, you know, if we're starting a little bit behind, then, then you know, we can't get as far. And I think I encourage my board of directors specifically that I that I meet with and, and talk with and share with. And um, that's really something that we, we talk about fairly regularly. And then outside of the board of directors, I personally have taken on a role, I would say, with my some of my best friends in my community as 
you know, as somebody who has a lot of experience negotiating in my role and in my career, and they have never, you know, they're in the middle of their careers and they've never once negotiated for themselves and they don't know how mm-hmm. to do it. They don't know how to prepare. They don't know what to ask. Mm-hmm. And I've taken on that role to help them to be able to come better prepared and, and get the most to maximize their value. Um, because in, you know, no one's just going to give it to us. We need to ask for it. We need to position correctly and we need to frankly demand it. And that's something I've definitely, I've, I've, t- I've taken on a role I've taken on outside of, outside of my board of directors, I suppose. So inspiring. Um, and I, I agree with you, Meredith. I think mentorship is super important. And my approach has always been you always have to do it both ways, right? You should always have a mentor to help educate you, but it's equally important to have a mentee to kind of relay that message to whomever that is. And I would probably say the early years of my career, I really focused on just learning and growing and learning and growing and learning and growing. And I got to a point where I was like, wait a minute. I am just as good as in the next mentor and I can share that same type of knowledge. So why not do the same? But I was at the point of my career where I realized that that was valuable. That was something that no one, it's not teachable. It's not mm-hmm. something that, you know, you can learn in a textbook. It's something that you just innately grow in yourself. And one of the big pieces of information that I'll never forget that came from one of my mentors was this fear factor. We have to break this fear factor, right? Women just are naturally gravitated towards, I can't address, you know, or negotiate a package with my company because I'm not you know, I don't have the experience or I don't have the college degree or I don't have the skills necessary for it. And the reality is, yes, you do. You just didn't, you don't know how to position it. You don't know how to negotiate. You know how to, you don't know how to put it in a space that, you know, it's okay, even if you get rejected in that respect. Right. And I think that's what's opened a lot of doors for me is that opportunities. Yes, they were presented to me based on my work experience, but I also created experiences of my own and opportunities of my own. And, you know, I went into different spaces to say, you know, I would knock on the door of the president at one of my last roles. And I was like, listen, I, I would love, you know, an opportunity to grow in this company. I, I made a whole presentation to him on why I should be promoted. And next thing you know, here I am in the next role of my career. And it was amazing because all I had to do was kind of position. And he's like, you know, had I known that you had this experience and background, I would have done this a long time ago. So it's one of those things to be your own advocate. And that's something that came to me from mentorship, which is super important. So something that I'll always keep with me not throughout, you know, forever, really. Yeah, I think I I love that. And you know, the other thing that I think I would add is, I kind of err on the side of the board of directors as well. I've been lucky to be surrounded by really, really fascinating people, primarily women, honestly. And I remember this one moment early on in my career too, where, um, you know, there, there was a position that was open and somebody else got the role and I was, you know, upset naturally. Right. Uh, and this person then became my boss. She was a woman and I felt really, I felt really upset because she was younger than me. And I was just like, oh, you know, and I had all of these thoughts that now I realize are just, you know, when you're early on in your career, it's hard to get lost in all of that. But what I will say is that this woman then became and is still now to this day, one, one of my best friends, and two, a woman that I turn to a lot and say, hey, how did you do this? Hey, mm-hmm. how did you know? She's also a leader now. And we oftentimes go to each other and we and we kind of talk and we have these conversations. And I think back to, you know, that moment where I had this kind of like, you know, little, you know, mini tragedy where I was just like, oh, I didn't get this promotion. And I and and she ended up being not just one of my best bosses, but she really pushed me and taught me a lot of those things, you know? Sure. And it's interesting how these moments where you think, oh, this really sucks becomes a moment and where I clearly remember I was, I was so, you know, I clearly remember now I'm laughing, but I clearly remember how upset I was, but she ended up, you know, really teaching me things that can't be taught in a textbook. And 
now we're both, you know, really pushing, really pushing the trajectory of our careers. And we're so happy that we have each other because there's often times where we say, hey, you know, when it comes to compensation, that's a, you know, we talk about that. And when it comes to, hey, how are you dealing with managing your team? How are you dealing with XYZ? You know, because we both have teams that we manage and that's difficult. That's a part of our job. That's also very, you know, um, time consuming and difficult. And, you know, how are you dealing with this? How are you dealing with this? How are you dealing with the pandemic? And, and it really helps when you take a moment that's kind of, you know, a little bit tough, but you don't let it keep you down and you move forward and you allow the mentorship to happen from a place where you didn't necessarily expect it, right? I think that's also key. Absolutely. I, similar to you, Joanna, also have a former boss who became a mentor and is still, you know, has evolved into a dear female friendship, but also a mentorship. And then I find that it, it kind of iterates into this two-way street where you do have each other on speed dial and you can compare notes and laugh about things and cry about things or whatever. Whatever, you know, and just have those tough conversations, but in a way that just leads to so many um, oftentimes unexpected insights. Mm -hmm. And it's just been super valuable for me personally as well. Something I wanted to touch on because you brought it up, Meredith, the compensation issue. So uh, I was reading, you know, there's this myth that women are preoccupied more so with benefits and flexibility over compensation. Uh, but in actual fact, 52% of women care more about compensation and pay uh, than than other benefits and flexibility compared with 33% of men. So how do you all think we can start breaking that antiquated notion that women are simply grateful to have a seat at the table and instead are not only grateful for that seat, but also worthy of equitable pay and real conversations around compensation? I recommend pins that say show me the money, but that's just my <laughs> that was gonna be my line, Joe. <laughs> show me the money. I think we have to talk about it and I think we have to be honest about it. Yeah, knowledge you know? is power there. Knowledge is power. You know, when I um I think in every role that I've been in, I have reached out to someone who is in a similar role and I have said, Hey, you know, I know this isn't a typical conversation that you have, but I would love to know kind of, you know, where you know, are you comfortable having this discussion? Because I want to position myself in the best way possible. And I can't do that. And it's a it's an awkward discussion. It's an awkward conversation, right? If it's if it's with your friends, you know, in the in the case that I'm just seeing you and I were just talking about where your mentors, you, you're, you're more comfortable having these discussions, you know, but sometimes that that's not the case. And you know what, nine times out of 10, people are, are open to having the discussions I have found. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you say, I mean, you say it's, it's uncomfortable and awkward. Do you feel like men, it's uncomfortable and awkward for them to have the same conversations from your experience? Do you, I, I just feel no. like in my experience, Sunny, you're saying no. No. Yeah. And it, I, and I think it's really because, you know, it's the assumption that men have to be the breadwinner of their mm -hmm. household, right? The reality is why can't it be a woman? Mm -hmm. There's no, there's nothing stopping us from that, but we've been so stigmatized to think that men have to be the breadwinners that the expectation is that they naturally need to make more money. Sure. And while that may have been true historically, I mean, I think we live in a whole new era and a new generation where, again, we have the same skills and the same assets that any other person does. So we should be equally paid. And I think from a court, from an organization, standpoint, I think transparency is key. Mm -hmm. I think they're super scared to share that type of information because it can really be telling of 
you know, are you standing by what you actually put out as a business, right? Every organization has a mission statement. Every organization has, you know, employee resource groups. But are you really supporting that in real life? And mm-hmm. if so, it shouldn't be an issue for you to be transparent. I'd say from a personal level for individuals, it's important for everyone to do their research, right? Mm-hmm. Take a look yeah. at what does the market look like and what's exactly. the market value and what your role is in the industry, in the corporate world. Um, how are you deli- – like how are you assessing your value to that? Sure. And if the juice is not worth to squeeze, my recommendation would be then then don't do it. You know, it shouldn't be one of those things that you should have to vouch and fight for your value. If it's not warranted and acknowledged at the organization that you're a part of, it's okay to walk yeah. away. And I think that that's, again, goes back to that fear yeah. factor of, you know, women innately don't want rejection. They don't want that no answer, but it's okay to say, be told no. There's plenty of other opportunities for you to explore. A hundred percent. And I think to that point, you know, breaking that fear factor, I also think it's okay to ask for more than you think you're worth, you know, because who knows what could happen. Yeah. I think it's also um, women typically struggle sometimes to assess their own value in a real way, mm-hmm. right? Like I feel like men in gen- – and I'm generalizing here obviously, but – most men will shoot for the moon and yeah. waltz in and feel like, you know, they, they are deserving of, of everything. And I'm not saying that there aren't plenty of, of amazing men who are, but I think women are more likely to undercut themselves, undersell themselves. Undervalue. And, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> undervalue. And on top of that, I think we've all kind of been taught that having those kind of conversations are, are rude or, you know, faux pas, you shouldn't talk about salary or yeah. don't ask for too much. You know, it's great that you've got this offer. Just take it, yeah. you know, instead of being like, actually, I kind of want to revisit this. Yeah. And how about this, this, this? Yeah. And you know what? And it's funny because I, someone, someone once gave me this line. They were like, you know what? If I wasn't a good negotiator, you wouldn't have hired me for this job. And it's like, you're absolutely right. Yeah. You know what? You're absolutely right. And I I have in turn used that line as well. (laughs) (laughs) And now I will. (laughs) I think um, as well as when we sit in a leadership position and as a a hiring manager, it's also important that we, you know, we have – I have a lens now into the different experience and the levels and, you know, I I can see the disparities when people come in and I'm interviewing and then, you know, the different, um, you know, what they're looking for is vastly different based on and they're the same on paper. They're essentially the same. And, you know, it's a responsibility that I really take upon myself now to try to equalize it as much as as I possibly Mm -hmm. can. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's also as a hiring manager, something that we really need to hold ourselves accountable for. I think one thing that's been helpful personally to help me understand my valuation in in the market is I personally like to jot down on a quarterly basis. I know it sounds pretty cheesy, but I write things down that I've accomplished in that quarter. It could be personal. It could be professional. It could be anything that I brought value to. And when I look on, like at the course of the year, kind of what I've delivered, that's almost – it's enhancing my experience. It's enhancing my skill set. It's enhancing what I deliver. And overall, when I start to – you know, if and when I ever choose to move on to a different organization, that's going to be almost my book of accomplishments, right? Yeah. I could always reflect back and say, this is the thing I, I was able to accomplish. And here's why it drives value for your company, right? That's ultimately what yeah. organizations want to know. And that's how they assess compensation. So if you already have that kind of toolkit at your disposal and you're, you continue to kind of add on to it, that's something that's going to be remarkable. Once you get, let's say, you know, 20 years, 25, 30 years into your career, you're going to look back and be like, wow, I've accomplished so much. Yeah. And hopefully that'll take away that stigma of being, you know, undercutting ourselves or 
yeah. you know, being in that position. That's a great point too, Yusini. I feel also that, um, and I might speak from experience with myself, I feel like women um, either oftentimes aren't taught or aren't comfortable advocating for themselves and speaking about their work and their accomplishments. And, um, you know, when it comes to, when it comes time to the promotion, because, you know, I didn't take credit for something just because simply I would just like to see it get done. That's the way that I work. Um, but I don't necessarily, I don't need the credit for it. That's not what I'm here for. In that same sentiment, oftentimes maybe perhaps if you're up for some sort of promotion or award, you're overlooked and the credit isn't there because you didn't raise your hand. And I feel like that's oftentimes, you know, something that I think I, I myself have struggled with in the past and that I see other fellow female leaders struggle with as well. You know, shifting gears a little bit, I wanted to talk about how often um, all of you find yourself the only woman at the table or in the room, uh, given the positions and roles that you're in now, uh, and how you handle that typically. I am not only mostly the only woman in the table, I'm the youngest woman in the table. I'm the youngest person and the youngest female. Yesenia's nodding her head. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I have such a similar experience. It's uh, yeah. ageism is real. Uh, for it sure. is real. Yes. You know, I, I very, very often, you know, whether it's a virtual call or it's an in person, I am, you know, typically the, 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 the only female there, the youngest female there. And I think I've become so used to it that I have taught myself to overassert myself because I know that this is that this is the room I'm in, you know, and I have taught myself to have this presence because I need to be more XYZ or or what have you. But I will say that I I have started seeing a change, um, at least at Hankel, where we do have more females that are um coming into, you know, we'll call it the proverbial room, right, who are coming into the room taking a seat. But I don't think it's enough, right? I I don't think it's enough. You know, when I, and I go back to, you know, I I really, I I was thinking about this as I was coming in, in into the city today, you know, I really think that it really touched me when I saw that there were two women behind the president, because that to me is just this, you know what, look at that. You know, they're, yes, they are sitting in a room full of other men, but (laughs) they have the second, you know, and the third highest seats in there. And that is something that I think is really great. So yeah, uh, it's, it's something that is a reality. It's something that's a reality. And, um, you know, it's, it's up to us to change it. Yeah. I mean, my experience to yours, Joanna, is exactly the same, um, I think even more so besides us being females and being the youngest in the room, I think for me personally is that, you know, I'm a a Latina woman that walks into a table of primarily older middle-aged men who are sitting at the table and kind of questioning me before anything even comes out of my mouth. Mm -hmm. And it's ironic because that happens more often than you think. And, you know, I, I think for me, the last five years was when that really came to light. Because before that, that wasn't a thing for me. It wasn't something that, you know, I would walk into a room and I would be questioned. People knew my work ethic. People knew my background. People knew what I can do. Um, and I felt like coming into back into the world of, you know, the advertising, the marketing, the media space, it was it was a thing. And and one, you know, for anyone who's ever followed my journey of, you know, I'm a huge advocate for women of color in the workplace. And um, I'll never forget, we walked into this meeting, and I know my name is difficult to pronounce. 
it, it is. That, that's been a reality my, my entire life. But this, uh, I was being introduced to this senior executive by my manager. I was in the role for less than two weeks. So, you know, super nervous. I get the jitters and I'm trying to introduce myself. And when I say my name, hi, my name is Yesenia. Um, his response was, oh, I'm going to call you Yosemite, like the national park. And I was like, um, my first response, and it was instant, was you're absolutely not going to call me Yosemite. Either you address me correctly or you do not address me at all. And his face, I think it was, he was more shocked at the fact that I responded to him, but I was more shocked at the fact that you even felt that, you know, you had the audacity to feel comfortable Mm -hmm. enough to say that to to someone who is obviously in this room for a reason. And at that point, from that moment forward, for me, it was a pivotal moment for me to understand that you have to stand your ground. And it's not okay for people to treat you any differently just because you may look different. And I think over time, that's something that it's, it's hard to kind of come around because I feel like it's a huge issue that I I don't have all of the answers for how we can solve for it. But the smallest things participating in and, in, 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 you know, a discussion like this, doing it for International Women's Day, advocating for women of color to be, you know, in leadership roles, that's yeah. something that has to happen and should happen, right? And that's that's why I think I get so passionate and riled up about it. I, every time I think about it, that for me was a moment that I couldn't I I can't take back that feeling in that moment and it just sticks with me. So it's something that, you know, helped me learn and grow as a professional. And that's something that I really want to kind of push out and just anyone that that kind of comes across that same experience. What a powerful example, though, of you actually standing up for yourself and just saying like, no, you're not going to call me that. You know, I think that it's so important to assert ourselves, especially when you do get to that table or get in that room. And it's not always easy, but Really, it's important because it's not just getting there. It's like, what do you do when you get there, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that there's also kind of this misconception that women are sort of, or maybe not, it's it's not a misconception. It's just kind of what happens. But women are often pitted against each other. Like, we're fighting for these roles. Or if there are 10 seats at the table, two are typically right now for women. And so it's up to us to all fight against each other to get access to those two seats. When in fact, really, we can all just fight for a seat, one of the 10, right? Not just those two. And we don't have to be against women. We can be working with them. And how much more powerful it is when we do that. Yeah. I think that's what makes a powerful leader, right? In whatever capacity of a leader you are, I mean, it could be you don't necessarily have to be running a team. But I think if you have kind of that backing to know how to bring the next person up with you or kind of making sure you pass that hand back, whether it's through mentorship, whether it's through helping with compensation, negotiation, all of those things, it's important that you do that because in order, like you can't, you know, be concerned with the the issue at hand if you're not willing to commit to the change. And that's something that is actionable. And it's it's something that people kind of take for granted. So to your point, Meredith, where you're saying, you know, you're in this position of hiring new roles, it's your opportunity to explore yeah. that and amplify and bring someone up to a leadership role that maybe not would have not had that kind of background before opportunity if they weren't given it to, by you. So I think everyone pretty much at this table has that opportunity to do that, right? It's just taking advantage of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, there's a lot of talk about breaking the glass ceiling, and that's great. And but it's a it's very focused on senior female leaders. And you know, there's another concept about the broken rung, which is more focused on getting females into the workplace. And then once they're in the workplace, kind of helping them uh, navigate and show them that they can create their own path and what that could look like mm-hmm. uh, in terms of getting them to the point where they're able to even consider trying to break the glass ceiling. Yeah, I would say um, for me specifically as a, as a woman in sales, it's, it's primarily traditionally, you know, a, p- a pretty male heavy role and environment. 
um, so that the part about, you know, fighting for the two seats and women pitting themselves against each other is absolutely, unfortunately true. And, you know, that is something that, you know, uh, through my career and, and things I've, I've gone through and I've, I've been, fortunately, I think I'm able to now recognize as I move forward and learn from, you know, from being a part of that unfortunate situation. But I would say having the power to, you know, create opportunities at all levels. So not just for senior, senior women, and we're only looking at the C-suite and adding women there. Well, mm-hmm. how about the powerful base that's behind, behind right. those women? And that's the foundation of the house. Foundation that's yes. going to grow up and through, through that, um, whatever it, that business, whatever it is you're looking to accomplish. I think that's, that's also imperative. So yeah, being able to create, create opportunities at all levels for all people. And for myself, I've had to really kind of create my own paths, um, you know, and, and ensuring that, educating women about how to do that, I think, in, that are, you know, specifically in, in a situation like mine is really impactful and powerful. And it's something I just need to do more of. When you think about creating your own path, what does that look like to all of you? Or what has it looked like in practice? Yeah, for me, I think it's it's all about you know an opportunity that wasn't pre- wasn't there, wasn't presented to. Mm-hmm. I've never I've never seen another woman in the role or another woman do it, and um, but I saw you know the opportunity and I saw the skill set and what it what it took, and I either either I I had it or I knew somebody who had it, and encouraging other people as well, not just myself, you know, yeah. to go for something, to take a chance. You know, you said you said earlier we are we're the same. I'm as valuable, arguably more valuable, because I know yeah. how hard I work as as a woman. Um, and so I think that it's, yeah, it's it's absolutely creating that, um, you know, encouraging other people around us to supporting our fellow, our colleagues, whoever those people are celebrating them too. Right. And acknowledging them is really, really important and impactful to do. It makes me think of a a song lyric. Don't ask me the artist because I don't recall, but it's, uh, closed mouths do not get fed. Right. And it's it's almost that saying of if you don't insert yourself into the opportunity, then it's not necessarily guaranteed. So, you know, and and I think as women, we don't appreciate or, you know, really extend both our hard skills and our soft skills. And what I mean by that is on paper, on your resume, right, you have the degree, you have the experience, but it's equally important to also amplify your soft skills, right? So effective communication Mm -hmm. is key. Do you think that that's so simple to kind of say, but for people who work in marketing, it's ironic that some people do not know how to communicate, right? (laughs) So (laughs) true. (laughs) When you think about that, that's still a skill. That's still an asset that you have. And, you know, that that for me is how you create opportunities to really insert yourself and make sure it, it happens for you. Yeah. You know, Justine, I love that question, right? Like, how do you, what does, how do you create a path forward for yourself? And I think for me, a lot of it is, a lot of women struggle with this, but maybe they don't talk about it, is shutting down the doubt in your mind. We're constantly conditioned to have this feeling of like, oh, you know what? Well, I'm not worthy. I'm not. And that is a constant, like for me personally, that's a constant struggle that I have. Oh, well, I don't know if this is good enough. I don't know if this is going to be accepted well. You know, and, and then you have these certain moments where you, you know, I'm, I'm thinking back to, you know, I, I just led this meeting with some of our top executives. And after the meeting, my boss called me and he said to me, I cannot believe how well you handled that meeting. And then I had this moment and I was like, oh my God. Yeah. You know what? I fucking rocked it. Like I did such a great job and allowing yourself to say, you know what? I am proud of myself and I am proud that I was able to do this and shutting out that doubt. Because I think even though, you know, a all of us here are confident and are, and are pushing ourselves forward. But I know I personally, there are moments where I have these times where I'm a little uncertain, where I'm a little unsure. There are also times where I don't know what to do, right? And, and it's okay. And it's okay to go to your board of directors. It's okay to go to your team and say, guys, you know what? And I, I do that all the time. My team knows I do that all the time. What do you guys think? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's accepting that. And I think that's how you forge your way forward. And yes. one other thing that I think is really important that I just wanted to touch on that someone actually just said to me recently is, you know what, treat people with kindness. And I think that's so important because I think there's so many times that I have dealt with personally where someone treated me unkindly or like, I just think it's unnecessary, you know, and I think as women, we tend to get a brunt of it because there's been often times where I felt, well, I don't think he'd ever say that to a man, yeah, you know, or used that tone or that, you know, kind of like, I remember sitting in meetings where, you know, men, they wouldn't even look at me when I was talking or presenting. And it's like, that's pretty rude. Or just you know? skip over you if yeah. you want to say something yeah. and quickly usher you along. Yeah. You know, I think social conditioning is 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 absolutely real. Mm-hmm. And if you're the first um, the first one to be there, the first of your kind, or the first to hold the role, or the first to do whatever yeah. it is, absolutely there is this, yeah. you know, it's, a, it's an unfortunate social, you know, something that exists in society today, but we're here to break that. The amplification of the work that we've done, celebrating other women mm-hmm. around us, appreciating them, acknowledging them. Yeah. You know, I think that's where we can continue to really, I don't know, I keep coming back to the Amplify. You said it earlier, you're saying it's really sticking with me to really help amplify the women around us and yeah. bring them bring them up as well. And I and I honestly, I'm, I'm a really firm believer of if you're forging your path forward, do it with a clear conscience. Yeah. You know, do it knowing that you're not like stepping on the person behind you. And that to me comes out of kindness and respect. And that's just always something that I think is just so, so vital. And I really, really try to embody that in my day to day. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree completely. And empathy just being yeah. so important now more than ever. I mean, it's always been important, of course, but I think empathy is having its moment mm-hmm. because of everything we've all collectively been through in the last two years. And I think without that, how can you be an effective leader? How can you be a kind person, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I loved your point, Joanna, about turning to the team and, and not having all the answers and, and asking them That's for okay. it. That's okay, yeah. That's yeah. totally okay. And I think, in fact, it also, you know, it shows vulnerability, which is, is always a good thing, but it also gives other people a chance to share their ideas and mm-hmm. maybe have their ideas move forward and shine and evolve. So, mm-hmm. and collectively, we're stronger together, you know, with more input than just one person's. Yeah. Um, which women, I think, frankly, are really gr- quite good at asking for help, asking for mm-hmm. advice, opinions, or you know, in areas where where I'm not an expert, I'm happy. I'm the first one to ask. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's important. Yeah, and I think c- creating a career path for yourself is really contingent upon how do you define success for yourself, right? For me, in my point of my career, happiness for me means more than anything. Yeah. And any any job can compensate me as much as I'd like them to. But if I'm not happy and genuinely, you know, eager to get up in the morning to do what I do, then it's not something that I want to continue on doing. And so I, I think, you know, as people think about their next t- five to 10 year journey, it's important for you to understand how do you define that success? Because sure. then I'll help you know what you should be doing. And I think one thing that's worked for me is doing a blend of both a personal and a professional development, right? You, you can't forget the personal tie to it, right? Yes. It, it could be a passion project that you integrate into your role. It could be working with a team. Maybe you want to be a leader and you've never done it. Are you, you know, taking leadership courses? Are you doing things to kind of help build yourself up? And that's what's really going to get you to that point of creating that path just yeah. as you wanted to find it. Yeah, you're right. And where where do you want to spend your time? You know, something that that I really have have the utmost respect for here at Cognitive is our three. We have three male co-founders, but the next three people, arguably, you know, in line in terms of leadership, are three women. Justine mm-hmm. being one of them, myself and and Yana. That was really attractive to me in a company that I wanted to join. I wanted yeah. I wanted women, you know, that 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 were also already in leadership. It showed me that they were valued, they were respected, yeah. they were appreciated. And those are things, you know, that's an environment you want to set yourself. I want to put my great skill set and my hard work 
work into that environment. It's also teaching men to be empathetic and take on different roles. You know, and I and I and I say this because Alan Wolpert, who is head of North America for Laundry Home Care, you know, really senior role, and I work with him quite a bit. I had my kids home the other week and they they had a 105 fever, both of them. And we had this big meeting the next day and I called him and I said, look, I I, I don't know if I'm gonna have to take my kids to the hospital or what or what I'm gonna have to do. He's like, cancel it. Don't worry about the meeting. And I'm like, yeah, but Alan, like we can't cancel it. You know, we've we've been doing all this stuff and he's like, well, cancel it. Don't worry about it. You know? And we ended up having the meeting and then after the meeting, he calls me and the first thing he says to me is, how are your kids doing? You know? Mm-hmm. And I was so taken aback by that, I think, because I had never felt that kind of empathy from a man in such a high leadership role. You know, and then, and I was just like, I, yeah, you know, okay, so let's get into it. He's like, no, 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 really, how are your kids doing? There's this change happening slowly. <laughs> There's this change happening where people are starting to realize that, you know what, if I want to have um, employees that are motivated, that are hardworking, and they want to work in a place where they're viewed not just by who they are in the workplace, but also who they are outside of the workplace. And I think, um, that is in every facet, right? I think that's really important, you know? Yeah. This kind of goes back to what we were speaking about before the podcast where we were saying, you know, work shouldn't define you mm-hmm. as a person, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's a it's a part of your life and it's a, you know, you commit a lot of time to it, but it shouldn't be, you know, if people are speaking to you, and, and I appreciate that, Joanna, because I think any organization that wants to ask personally what's going on, mm-hmm. that is an amazing thing because not a lot of companies do that. Yeah. And again, you're a person first before you're an employee. So, you know, for to have um, a person in a senior leadership role to acknowledge that and to be empathetic and, you know, something that's very close and personal to you. I think that's super important for all organizations to be able to do that. Yeah. Right. Um, we define who we are and I feel like that it's, it's up to us to make that stake in the ground. It shouldn't always be 100% business. I think when you work in the, in the office, right. It's okay to say, how was your weekend? How's your family doing? You know, what do you, you know, whatever it is. And I think we always kind of stray away a little bit. It's just kind of human nature that we, we, we do that. And the more you have those conversations, the more you can become a better leader, a better employer, a better person. Yeah. And I think that's been another benefit, honestly, of the hybrid working life, because, you know, we've all been on Zooms and people's pets are in the background or significant others are like walking by. And it kind of gives you that insight that, oh, yeah, this this colleague of mine is a person. They have a yeah. life. And I, you know, what's going on? You're not just a robot. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> So I, I definitely personally have felt that that's a, a, been a big benefit for my team and I too, mm-hmm. just getting to know each other on a, on a bit more of a human level. Mm-hmm. And I think it also – that leads to deeper trust and better communication. Absolutely. Uh, so I'd like to leave us off here with some leadership advice uh, that is either so amazing you just have to share it that you've received or is cringeworthy and you think will be entertained by so you'd like to share it. <laughs> I'll start with the cringeworthy. I, I once got feedback. Uh, someone told me I was too curt. Ooh. In my, in my I appreciate that. <laughs> I love Kurt. I'd probably say my cringe, uh, I guess, feedback was you have to adjust yourself to others. And my response was absolutely not. <laughs> really, because everyone's different. And again, everyone has different personalities. And I get that. But it shouldn't have to be me molding myself to, you know, fit a square 
box in a, a circle peg, right? It should be something that is mutually agreed to. And I, I use that example of me creating this presentation to get myself promoted. And the person I told was like, you shouldn't do that because that person's really not receptive. And I didn't listen to that, thankfully. And I was actually promoted. So it was one of those things where I was like, it sounds good, but no, that's just not, you know, I, I, I don't want to mend myself and bend myself over to just what, you know, stroke someone's ego, like that's not who I am. And um, that that was truly apparent. I think the good, I guess, advice that I've received that I've, I've kept on is you are your old, your biggest advocate. People don't know what they don't know. If people haven't worked with you long enough, or if people don't know your full experience, they've never seen your resume, it's important for you to share what you can do. Because unless you say something, they just won't know that. And that's, I think, where the opportunity grows for women. And I think, again, it's okay to be told no. As women, you know, again, we we don't have that kind of uh, that fear factor again, but just making sure that it's okay if you hear no, just move on to the next opportunity. That's great. And I, I just think like how boring life would be and also how many opportunities we wouldn't get if we just tried to fit in everywhere and, and, and mold. And how much wouldn't there. get done. Yeah. <laughs> Getting stuff done, Meredith. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Getting it done. <laughs> now, Justine, I'm going to put you on a spot here because you had told me a, a personal story and I think it's, it's really relevant that we need to, um, it was a, it was one about a bonus conversation that uh, you had, and I, th- I really think it's important that, yeah. Um, this is shared. I'll share it. I'll share it. Early on in my career, um, I was at a, a tech startup and myself and a male colleague who were in different departments, but same level, same level. And, uh, you know, it was, it was bonus time and I was so excited, new, you know, new into my career. We were getting a cash bonus. I was amped. And our, um, CEO asked us each to come into the office and he had sort of an open door policy. And so you could kind of always hear the conversations in there for better or for worse. And so I went in first and he gives me the cash bonus and he was beaming. He's like, you, you deserve this. And then he said, buy yourself something pretty. And, and at the time, I mean, I was so young and early on too, that I guess I, I kind of took it as like, oh, that's nice of him and a nice gesture and whatever. And I left the room and then my male counterpart went in and I could hear the conversation because of the open door and, um, the same, you know, same bonus happened, that conversation happened. And then he said, and you know, I've got some investing tips for you. I really think you should invest in, in these two tech companies. They're really up and coming. And I heard that and I immediately was so deflated. I went from being like, yes, I got this to also being like, well, why doesn't he feel like I'm worthy of that advice? You know, so that was something that stuck with me, um, not only in terms of, you know, compensation conversations, because it wasn't him giving him shares of any sort in another company, but it was just the idea that you can have those transparent conversations that are supposed to propel somebody forward, or that's the intention. But for me, you didn't, you didn't think that that was a worthy combo to have. So that really stuck with me. But in terms of leadership, to answer my own question, the idea of pointing or rushing in moments of, of success and accomplishment, and when you experience a moment of success to really lean into to enjoying the spotlight, of course, and, and embracing your worthiness of that moment, but also pointing to the people around you who also support mm. supported you to achieving that accomplishment. So they are also sharing in that recognition and in that celebration. 
And then when someone else, specifically women, are achieving something great next to you and you see that, to rush to them and to lift them up and to celebrate them. And I thought that was really great advice because um, it shouldn't always be, you know, a competition or, oh, they've done something and now I've got to do something within your organization. It should be, that's amazing. We're working towards a common goal. Let's celebrate you. And now I'm, I'm encouraged and motivated to level up. Now, I don't have um, – I actually just wanted to share a quote. That's my, my final piece. There's something special about a woman who dominates in a man's world. It takes a certain grace, strength, intelligence, fearlessness, and the nerve to never take no for an answer. That is by the great Rihanna. And <laughs> Love that. Love, 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 love Riri. If you hear this, please. please you're, you're welcome anytime. You mean she doesn't listen to Hidden Layers? Ever? She might. We're on Spotify and Apple. I you mean, know, this is. But I, I think it's really, you know, and back to your point, Yesenia, earlier, it's, it, you know, it's not even uh, not about for me about no is don't take no for an answer. Learn to evolve and pivot and know yeah. where you should be, where your value is is appreciated and i feel like that is something that you know we're still working working towards what a great place to end this amazing conversation uh i really want to thank meredith joanna yesenia for joining us uh on this round table it's been it's been really awesome thank you very much the pins that say show me the money will be on sale shortly (laughs) now this has been amazing thank you so much to the cognitive team for asking us to participate Super yes. cool. Thank you. And happy International Women's Day. Woo yes. <laughs> Here we go. Well, this has been a special edition of the Hidden Layers podcast. We hope you'll join us again soon. Thank you so much.